I'm Richard Kiefer at the Boulder Municipal Airport on Airport Day, Saturday, June 14, 2014. Airport Day is a biannual public event sponsored by the City of Boulder to highlight a wide variety of local aviation activities. This year's event is special because of a ceremony of appreciation for the helicopter crews who rescued approximately 1,200 people during the flood of September 2013. Some of the U.S. Army and Colorado National Guard personnel who performed those evacuations have flown in to receive awards from a thankful community. Here are some excerpts from my conversations with several pilots who flew those Black Hawk and Chinook helicopters in the mountains west of Boulder. Lieutenant Colonel Tyler Smith, I'm the battalion commander for 2nd Battalion, 4th Aviation out of Fort Carson. Major Eric Carlson, uh, 2nd Battalion, 4th Aviation Regiment, 4th Combat Aviation Brigade from Fort Carson, Colorado. I'm the executive officer. We were uh, invited back for the Boulder fly-in. We came for, for Airport Day. For Airport Day, yeah. yep. We're happy to be here. Can you guys just tell me what's your normal mission? You support combat for the Army, right? So the, the normal mission for 2nd Battalion, we're comprised of a Black Hawk company uh, that provides command and control and VIP air movement. Uh, a Chinook company, which provides medium lift aircraft for a troop insertion for cargo movement. And, and how many helicopters is in a company? So the uh, the first company has eight helicopters uh, of Blackhawks for command and control and VIP movement. Then we have a 12-ship Chinook company, uh, and then we have a 15-ship medevac company. And so we are uh, we provide those three different types of uh, mission requirements uh, to our active duty compatriots in the ground force. Have you guys been overseas? All four of us have been overseas. On, on this helicopter, we're standing here on the tarmac at the airport, Boulder Airport, and we're, you're all sitting here in the Blackhawk helicopter, and it's a nice day today. What's the division of labor, the four of you on this aircraft, or what do you all do? Eric Carlson, you fly it, right? I, I do. Uh, it's a two-pilot aircraft, so uh, up front today was myself and Colonel Smith, uh, who both flew during the flood. Uh, the minimum crew for a UH-60 Blackhawk is the two pilots. 90% of the time, uh, or greater, 99% of the time, are going to have at least one to two crew chiefs in the back. What you have today and what you had at Boulder uh, is Sergeant Bart, who is a, a crew chief, responsible for the overall maintenance and running of the aircraft. Uh, yeah, he was crawling around on top doing a post-flight check a while ago. Yeah, he fixes what we break. Uh, and Sergeant Schmidt is a flight medic. All of our uh, flight medics down at Fort Carson are EMT certified qualified paramedics through the National Registry, which is something unique to Fort Carson and paid off uh, during Boulder and some of the other missions that we've done. So right now, you got myself and Lieutenant Colonel Smith who are up front, Sergeant Bart and uh, the flight medic uh, Sergeant Schmidt in the, in the back of the aircraft. So normally a four-man crew uh, and the Chinook is going to be a four to five-man crew and you hear them coming yeah, in. Yeah, I see the Chinook now. coming in now. We'll hear him in a minute. So are, is your mission primarily medevac? The Charlie Company mission is medevac, and that's who, who you saw doing a lot of the flying up here during the floods. They provide the hoist capability and the in-route uh, patient care. So right. the one company within our battalion is responsible for that, and it has the most aircraft at 15. I'm going to pause for just a minute and get him down here. Um, it may be a little loud <laughs> Okay, for, for us. <laughs> yep, no problem. Okay, thanks. Major Carlson, what do you recall about the flood? You, you flew every day, apparently, right? 
Yeah, uh, pretty much. There was one day that I stayed on the ground with the incident command. Uh, what we what we did is uh, we launched an aircraft uh, a couple minutes before the rest of our helicopters get up here and gain situational awareness as to what was going on. Uh, what I remember is landing here at Boulder on that Friday night uh, and the sheriff's department and fire department had a very concrete plan and, and very clear and set objectives. It was go help our uh, citizens. We had Dave Zader from the uh, fire department hopped on board. Uh, it was very helpful. I mean, we have GPS, we, we have the navigation equipment, but having the local first responders in the aircraft with us helped. Uh, so, so the mission was basically an extraction mission, get people out? It was more of an evacuation uh, than a search and rescue. What made it easy that first night uh, we flew under night vision goggles when we got up here uh, and a lot of the folks on the ground that wanted help were flashing flashlights at us. So we were, we were just landing the flashlights and picking people up and bringing them back here and dropping them off uh, so that they could be triaged if needed and then transported out of Boulder to wherever the follow-on locations were. How did the flying during the flood compare to your normal training and, and military operations? I'd say it was no different. I, I mean, there's always a, a sense of urgency to what we do, whether we're training or, or conducting real missions. The same planning requirements and briefing and, and risk uh, mitigation goes into every flight. So, uh, like Colonel Smith said, most of us have, have been to combat and, and we're used to the busy radios. We're used to uh, complex missions and tasks that we can quickly delegate and figure out. So, uh, aside from combat missions, training missions, and, and Boulder, uh, there's no real difference other than a sense of urgency to get people out and help them. Do the mountains make a difference? Fort Carson is up in the mountains. We fly in the mountains every day, and most of us have flown in Afghanistan. It is more challenging terrain. Uh, you're pushing limitations of the aircraft a little bit more, uh, but our aviators are, are trained to fly in the mountains, so it was, it was nothing out of the ordinary to be up here for the flood relief. How about the weather? The weather was a factor for you guys, wasn't it? Yes, the, uh, when we first got here uh, the first night, the weather was, uh, was beautiful for us to fly in. And then that very next day, that Saturday, the weather was uh, phenomenal for us the, almost the entire day. So we flew uh, about 10 hours on every crew. And we probably did about 80% of the, uh, the rescues that we did on that first Saturday. Sunday morning, if I recall, uh, we woke up to some pretty poor weather. And so while we had some mission assignments that we uh, had coordinated with the civilian authorities, the weather kept us grounded until early afternoon. What does it take to ground a helicopter in terms of weather? For us, we're primarily looking at the, the ceilings of the clouds and then the visibility. Uh, if I remember correctly, on that Sunday, it was less than 700 foot ceilings and one mile of visibility. So at that point, we're, the, the risk to our crews goes up significantly because not only we're operating in the mountains, so that 700 foot ceiling is yeah. maybe here in the lowlands and as you get up into those mountain valleys. You're basically uh, all socked in up you there. You could be probably. socked in and then that one mile of visibility starts to, uh, one mile sounds like a lot, but when you're flying, you know, that one mile gets absorbed in about 30 seconds. Uh, and so your ability to, to make out obstacles, whether it be towers or wires, is pretty limited. And then if you add in there extra aircraft, you know, it's just a, a risk factor. Uh, we're willing to do it if it's a, a matter of life or death. But at that point on that Sunday, there was no life emergencies that we had to respond to. So we, we were comfortable knowing that later in the afternoon, we'd be able to launch the fleet and, and make up for all the, the needed work. You guys normally train for night flying, right? Yes, we, we try to fly about 30 to 40% of our hours at night wearing night vision goggles. So it's something we're, we are very comfortable with. So there's certainly a an elevated risk with it, but not that much greater, depending on where the moon illumination is and et cetera. I'm, I'm very confident that the, the pilots uh, inside the battalion can, can basically do anything that they can do during the day. For each of you guys, Major Carlson and Colonel Smith, 
How many missions did you fly during the flood event? The incident command would push up, uh, say, say a mission was to do a hoist for two elderly out of a house. Uh, the way it would come through the incident command post was from the first responders. Uh, that would go from the incident command post at Boulder up to the command and control aircraft that we talked about, and the command and control aircraft would assign that mission to a helicopter to go pick up. Uh, if there were no missions at the time, the helicopters were doing search and rescue. So as far as mission tallies, I can tell you that out of the six aircraft, uh, up to seven aircraft we had up here, they were they're flying uh, up to 10 hours a day plus, uh, and the total number of individuals that, that we pulled out via air was 100 or 1,028, uh, and and well over three 400 uh, pets. So, was it a requirement to take the pets? It was not a requirement to take the pets. Uh, I, I have, but, but it seemed to help get people on. It, it helps to get get people on. They're part of the family, uh, and if. Every instance that we hoisted or pulled someone out of here, uh, the pet was not taking up a seat that a, a human being could have sat in. So we didn't have to make that decision. There was always room on board the aircraft for the pets uh, to the point of uh, bringing a trash can full of chickens up, up the hoist. Was that one of the more un unusual evacuations? Yeah, like Colonel Smith talked that one, that was him. <laughs> yeah, we did chickens. I think we did uh, some ducks from one from one lady's house. Yeah. Uh, we have the lady with the, the chickens, our, our medic on the ground. Uh, she she told him that I'm not leaving without my dog and my chickens, and so he uh, he quickly improvised, caught the the four or five chickens, threw them in a uh, Tupperware trash can, flipped the lid upside down, taped it shut, uh, and actually hooked it up to the hoist. And uh, Sergeant Bart over there hoisted up a uh, trash can full of full chickens. Of chickens. Uh, How long have you been in the military, Major Carlson? I've been in 14 years since 2000. And you've been flying helicopters the whole time. I started off as a military police officer. I was a military police officer from 2000 to 2003 and, and then went ahead and into flight school. So I've been flying helicopters for 11 years. You enjoy it? Love it. Wouldn't trade for anything. Best job there is. <laughs> it sort of looks like fun. You did a flyby here before you landed. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, it's got to be a little bit of a high-pressure job, though, right? I, I don't think it'd be any. This is this is what we do uh, every day, uh, and there's a lot of stuff outside of flying helicopters that the battalion and the staff do. Uh, you got a lot of support people that make these things fly. Uh, yeah. What Colonel Smith didn't bring up was the maintenance company uh, that does nothing but maintenance on the helicopters. Also, during Boulder, you had our Echo company who uh, does our fueling and feeding up here that we're providing hot gas to the helicopters to keep us in the air and flying. So there, there's a lot of stuff other than... I, yeah, you had a whole bunch of fuel trucks up here, right? Yeah, I, I'd say flying is probably less than 50% of what goes on in the battalion. Yeah, yeah the battalion is uh, 587 people right now, yeah. uh, and probably about 100 of those people are crew members of flying. So it gives us a, a ratio of almost four people on the ground supporting to one, one person flying in the air. Yeah. So whether it comes to aviation maintenance, to refuel, you know, we have cooks that cook food, you know, we have a, a wide variety of tasks that uh, the battalion has to do. Colonel Smith, how long have you been in the military? So I've been in the Army for uh, 18 years so far. How long have you been flying? Uh, I've been flying since the, the day I started, so I've been... Uh, you like it too, huh? No, I, I mean, absolutely. I, I think it's a, it's one of those gratifying jobs, you know. I mean, of course, you don't love every assignment that you get, and, yeah. uh, you know, certainly the most gratifying jobs for me have been the ones where I'm in command of troops or I'm part of an aviation unit that's actually flying helicopters. I'm Richard Kiefer, and we're talking with Colonel Tyler Smith and Major Eric Carlson, two of the Black Hawk helicopter pilots who performed rescues during the Boulder Flood of September 2013. So just generally, how do you and your crew feel about 
helping Americans. You've been overseas. Uh, this is a local thing. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, without a doubt. Is that a motivation? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, without a doubt, if you look across the, the formation uh, and ask the soldiers that were able to come up here and participate in the uh, rescue and relief effort, it was very gratifying to take our skills and our aircraft and our uh, our training and leverage it to help out American citizens on American soil when they needed it the most. As a group, your your the soldiers of the Army today are, you know, by their very nature, eager to help people in general, uh, whether that be the citizens of Afghanistan, Iraq, or wherever we end up. There's just that that good moral character that we have uh, in the vast, vast majority of our soldiers. But I think, you know, the ability to come to an event like the Boulder Floods and make a difference, you know, in our own backyard is just so much more gratifying because you you recognize that, you know, here we are after 10 years of war and fighting overseas and the resources and, and loss of uh, soldiers' lives, fighting that decade of war, and then to be able to come home and, and take those same skills and help out Americans is just, there's nothing more gratifying. And, and we're an all-volunteer army now, too. I mean, has that made a big difference over the last couple of decades, do you think? Absolutely. The Army is, has never had a shortage of honorable men and women that are willing to join the ranks of the Army every year. They serve our nation with pride. If you look at the generation of soldiers that is, uh, you know, the kind of, we'll call it the, the younger half of the Army today, all of them volunteered and raised their right hand post 9-11 when we were a nation at war. So knowing that they would likely be deployed into a combat zone in defense of the nation's objectives, you know, it takes a different person to raise their hand and know that they're volunteering likely to go into harm's way. Uh, and they were willing to, to make those sacrifices to preserve the American way of life. That's just a, that's a pretty awesome occurrence if you think about what that means. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to join the army, you know, when we're a peacetime army just doing training. But, you know, all the young kids that joined up post 9-11, uh, to me, just have shown a, uh, an increased kind of level of uh, care for what this nation is and what it stands for. My, my impression from talking to you guys last night and today is you're pretty darn good at what you do. <laughs> we, like to, we like to think that we are. Uh, you can always get better. Sure. But I, I see a pretty high level of motivation and, and also a little bit of friendly competition between the Chinook crew and the uh, Blackhawk crews. Oh, yeah. I think that's the, the nature <laughs> of, any, uh, of any group of people that are... Uh, that are friends and, and colleagues is the the one upsmanship is a uh, part of the game. They think they got the best hardware, and you think you got the best hardware. Well, they have the best hardware, and I like to think we're better pilots because uh, their aircraft flies itself. Lieutenant Colonel Tyler Smith, thanks a lot for talking with us. All right, thank you very much. You have a great day. I'm Lieutenant Stephen Wheeler. I'm stationed down at Fort Carson, Colorado. I'm one of the uh, Bravo Company platoon leaders in the CH-47 Company, the GSAB. And you're a helicopter pilot. I am. We're standing by a what? A CH-47 Fox. Commonly known as a Chinook, right? Yes, that's correct. So you got two engines. Well, the Blackhawks have got two engines too, but yours are at each end of the aircraft, right? Well, no, they're, they're still both on the sides, but we've got 11,000 horsepower what, What's he got over there? They're about five. But you're, you're hauling twice the weight, right? Uh, a little bit more. So we max out at 50,000 pounds. And a Blackhawk is what, about a 16,000 pound aircraft? That's about right. So what did you do during the flood of 2013? Uh, so we, uh, myself and Mr. Dowdy, who's actually with me here today, uh, we came out here the first night. We went up there under night vision goggles. And that was on a Friday evening, I think, wasn't I it? That's yeah. But yeah, so we came up the first night. Uh, we w flew around to a whole bunch of the little towns up there. Uh, the first night, most everybody had been, had turned back in for the night uh, to wait for the next morning. So we kind of reconned uh, all of the 
the different landing sites that we would be going to the next day. We picked up just a couple people the first night, and then we came back and uh, bedded down back here at Boulder. When you pick people up, you have to land, right? You don't have a winch? Uh, we do, but right now we don't have the, the setup to uh, extract people with it. So you would land where you could find room to land then, right? Correct. So there, a lot of the times we put down in big fields where you have tons of, tons of room. Uh, and then there was a couple, couple spots where we landed where you got trees just a couple feet outside of the rotor system uh, on all sides. That's an interesting point. How, how much room do you need to put this thing down? Uh, well, the whole thing in length is just under 100 feet long um, and then about 60 feet wide. So we did just a little bit more space than that, and we, we'll fit it in there. You can be that precise? Yeah, we've got the crew members who are in the back uh, calling us down. So they're the ones who keep us, keep us out of trouble and don't let us hit stuff. So after that Friday, did you fly every day during the, uh, during the flood event? Until, yep, until the last day. I saw a lot of people with pets get off this aircraft. We did. We took a lot of pets. There were some, some crazy animals that got picked up. We had boxes of ducks, a couple goats. Somebody had spider monkeys, they claim. Uh, you got goats? Yep. Really? Yeah. They're almost the size of a person. Oh, they're smaller than that. <laughs> and, and small enough to sit in someone's lap, I suppose, yeah. more or less. We had a couple dogs come on that were the size of people. Yeah, I, I think that I, I've heard that the total is about 1,200 people and about 1,000 pets evacuated altogether. Does that yeah. sound about right? Yeah, that sounds pretty close. It's almost a pet per person. Yeah. How did you guys feel about doing those th that mission, the, the, the flood event itself? I mean, you're in the USA and you're helping Americans. Did that have some yeah. motivation? It does. It definitely It feels great to actually make a real difference because we fly a lot of hours in training. And then myself, I've... This is my first duty station since I've been in the Army. So it, it feels good to actually be making a difference with what we're doing. Is there a big difference between psychologically between training and actually doing a mission? I, definitely, yes. I mean, it's hard to, hard to quantify, but it, you know, it's a huge, a huge difference in how you approach it. What, what's the most important quality for uh, a helicopter pilot? I mean, you got to have a sense of balance and a visual perception capability, I assume. I mean, what, 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 are, what are the most important qualities? I would say you, being able to be calm under, in, a, in a stressful situation. The, the physical movements of, you know, we call it wiggling the sticks. So the actual movement, flying comes with time. And you, it's a, it's a trainable skill. But the ability when everything goes wrong to stay calm address the situation appropriately and get the aircraft safely on the ground in an emergency or to deal with you know the this the oddball situations that get thrown at you so most of our training we we do terrain flight and things like that and then on a couple hours notice we're up here doing search and rescue missions which we were essentially hadn't trained for as a unit yet but you have to be able to adapt quickly and get into those things and you know, just take it, take all, take everything like that as it comes at you, and just react calmly. Well, obviously, in spite of the stress levels uh, that you're subjected to, you're having a good time. So, <laughs> thanks for your efforts during the flood. So, it's Lieutenant Wheeler. Thanks a lot for talking with us. Thank you very much. So, my name is Colonel Robert Alt. I'm the uh, Combat Aviation Brigade Commander for the Fourth Infantry Division uh, out of Fort Carson. You know, I tell you, I'm the guy that probably did the least, so it's probably fitting that you're doing me at the tail end of all these guys. Your management, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm upper management. Yeah, we uh, we got alerted through our operations center at the division uh, that this was going on. Uh, 
Tyler Smith, the battalion commander, had some uh, he had some phone contacts as well uh, from folks that he had worked. This is the same battalion that had done the uh, Black Forest fire support. So they had relationships kind of built with emergency response folks at the state level. Uh, and so we kind of had some of a heads up that this was happening. And, uh, and knew you might be needed. Uh, we, we, we suspected that. But uh, we didn't really have anything formal. Nobody really knew, I think, what this what this was going. What the like. magnitude of the problem was. Yeah, yes, and t- until the weekend. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then, uh, and I think we came up here I, Friday, if I'm not mistaken. I think they, he yeah. had his first elements up. Yeah, Friday. And by the time they got up here, um, they uh, the sun was going down, and they saw the crews and Lieutenant Colonel Smith saw firsthand what the devastation was, and they went right into to search and rescue operations and and flew into the night period with night vision goggles and one of the first night vision goggle uh, rescues that that I think the army's done in support of uh, civilian authorities at, at any point so it was pretty pretty neat I mean at the time it was he and I were having a running conversation on, on the phone he'd come back here and get gas and call me and I'm packing my own bag and ready to come up here mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's describing and we're having discussions about the risk to do night vision uh, operations and I uh, felt that it was it was urgent enough that, that we were willing to take that risk. We needed to take that risk. In fact, Tyler was telling me he had a, a, a couple of folks come up and talk to him and said, oh, yeah, you're, you're the ones. And but, you know, when he backtracked in the story, people that they rescued under goggles were, were actually here today. So yeah. pretty impressive. So you're in a support role to local authorities and the guard. I mean, you're, you're not sure. you're, you're not the controlling authority in, no. a, in an emergency event like this, right? No, sir. In fact, we just had helicopters, and he had a very small command and control post that came up here. We, myself and the uh, acting senior commander at the time, Brigadier General Michael Bills, uh, he and I flew up here Saturday, and uh, and that, that was that's all. I mean, it was airplanes in and out, or heli- his helicopters in and out of here. But the C2 piece was being, the command and control piece was being done either through National Guard or emergency response personnel. Was the integration pretty good, pretty smooth? I tell you, it was impressive. It was just from us walking around. Because at that point, the need is so apparent. Um, it's anybody that's willing to help, come on down and help. So yeah. I would say absolutely. Your people seem pretty motivated. Sure, they're supposed to. That's their job. <laughs> yeah. I, I can tell from talking with crews here, the Black Hawk crew, and both them and the Chinook crew, they're, they're pretty stoked to be able to do something in-house, so to speak, locally to help Americans. Yes, sir. I, well, you know, the last, the, these soldiers are not... And everybody's been overseas, too, pretty well, much. That's exactly I was just going to say. Yeah. They're not brand new to the fight. You know, some of them are. We're a cross-section of our army, yeah. uh, which is a cross-section of our country. But a fair amount of these uh, soldiers here have been in Afghanistan and Iraq and have, have done all this same stuff. They've just done it in support of combat operations. I, I'm, General Bills and I had a comment uh, Saturday when we flew in the back of a Chinook for one of the rescues. As we're getting back on the Chinook, and it's taken off. We're, we looked around, and it was it was kind of a sort of an epiphany to realize, wow, nobody's got body armor. We don't have nobody's shooting at you. Nobody's shooting at you. Yeah, we're right. doing all those. It feels exactly like it does downrange, except you're using this to help American citizens, and that's just a great feeling. I would yeah. tell you that we are a cross section of our country, and that the the strength of our nation is our soldiers, and the strength of our soldiers are our families, and that's really when you start taking it down in levels. I mean, we should not be something separate that doesn't connect to our people. Our military is staffed with people from every every state in the Union and even other countries. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. It's our Army values that pull us together and let us, that we all have to believe in, and we do. And that's what makes us what we are. Well, Colonel Robert Alt, Combat Aviation Brigade Commander for the 4th Infantry Division from Fort Carson, thanks for your perspective, and uh, thanks a lot for talking with us. Yes, sir. Thank you very much.
At Boulder Municipal Airport for KGNU, I'm Richard Kiefer.